Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Um, well, I am. I might have to consider abandoning the show at some point because I might have to build an arc because my city is flooding <laughs> right now. Oh, yep. the, the rain moved away from me and, and moved Oh, no, we've gotten, we've gotten four inches of rain in 36 hours and places are flooding. That's crazy. Like, like there's... I've, there's parts of because I just moved. There's parts of my old town where cars are underwater. My my wife has been um, a little bit annoyed because we, we lived in the city until like November first of last year, and so we're now in the suburbs of Virginia, Northern Virginia. And I don't know what's happened last week. Uh, maybe there's just a weird weather pattern. But we it's rained here like practically every day, and some of them have been scary to the point where. I've gotten like the emergency alerts on my phone where it's like flash flood warning, do not leave your house. And it's like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. And it's some of the rains have been pretty bad. So my wife is like, where do you take me? where did you, <laughs> why did we move here? Like, <laughs> do I have to worry about flooding? I'm like, I don't, I hope not. I've always lived like, there's always been flooding that the places I've lived in Columbus, there's always been flooding around me, but I always seem mm-hmm. to end up on houses on top of Hills where oh. there'd be some serious crap if um, I started seeing water coming up. But no, the rains have been crazy here. Like, like absolutely just crazy downpours. Like, you'd instantly be soaked in them. Mm. Like, I we got DoorDash Monday for lunch, and I literally opened the front door so, like, the lady could run and just hand it to me and flee back to her car. I knew yeah. I just saw how bad it was I'm like oh man like I I can't like make her Stay like have here for that yeah and like put like the thing down and by the door and all that stuff and yeah well we've well, I got it last week last week <laughs> here here here's a first world problem for you last week the uh, front tire on my mower had gone out so I needed to find time to go get it fixed so I didn't get to mow for two weeks and it was we'll charitably say lush from all the rain we got then. It was, I call it, a, it was just a big pain in the stud. Anyway, that's not what we're here for. We're here for some flipping wrestling. So, Wait, I thought this was the funny cat videos podcast. Are we, am I in the wrong place? All right, we'll see you all next week. And um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. It's been a stressful week in this house, so we're just I'm just plugging us right along. I think um, we've all been. I think I think we're about due for a super salty episode because we've all been pretty strained <laughs> in the group chat for the last, I'd say, two weeks. Yeah. 
I don't, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll not, we'll get us a good salty episode here soon. Yeah, not with each other, just with like life events happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, we're not fighting together. That's not a problem. But so get our shout outs taken care of first. Um, the first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast to save 10% off your order. They currently have the beautiful Bobby Eaton Memorial shirt. Proceeds go to Bobby Eaton's family. I already have one, and it is just incredibly soft and comfortable. Can't recommend it enough. And our other shout-out means I hand the ball to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, I don't know if Orlando Cologne has ever rocked a Bobby Eaton wallet, but um, I hope he has. <laughs> or he, I think that would look good in, on him. Maybe so. So, yeah, that's our that's our segue. I, we promised you guys last week we were going to be doing our Bobby Eaton Memorial episode, and so that's what we're doing. Yeah, last um, week was last week was a chaotic mess of a show. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I know I've told this story. Uh, in a previous episode, but I'm going to tell it again because it's pertinent. But the very first night I had in the business, sitting in a very, very small Kentucky town, sitting in the old locker room of this, uh, what had been a high school gym. The gym was still in repair, but the school wasn't. The school was closed down. With the guy that got me in the business, BJ Fuller, I'm sitting there and... Um, we're sitting there talking, and he's talking to me about, you know, what what I'll need to do and that sort of stuff. But I'm going to be managing him tonight. And Bobby Eaton walks in and sits down next to me. And super cool, super quiet guy. But I'm having this moment where it's like, okay, you can't freak out. You can't. You cannot be a mark. You cannot mark out right now. So he just kind of sat there and was quiet next to... Um, an absolute living legend, but, uh, I wish there was a better story for that, but frankly, um, and it probably would not have been a big deal if, if I had a little bit, but, you know, there we got my first night in the business. I sat next to Bobby Eaton. Um, we're going to be going through, I think it's four matches tonight to kind of yeah, highlight sure. why we think so much of Bobby Eaton and, or why so many people talk so well of him, but, there's lots of stories that float around about what a good guy. Well, how much uh, respect he had, too, because Jim Cornette was telling a story when Flair was booking in 89. They wanted He wanted to do a showcase title defense on TV against Bobby Eaton, and he wanted to beat him by DQ. And Cornette, who has managed him at the time, was like, what are you doing? Like, you, you can just beat him. And he said, like... There he was, was managing Bobby Eaton at the time. Yeah, and he said Flair. there was this huge, this huge, like, kerfluffle, and they literally had to negotiate with Ric Flair... For him to actually go over Bobby Eaton. Because he liked Bobby that much. Um, well, and they said, like, WCW just kept him around for years because people liked him so much, so they just kept paying him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was um, in the Jim Hurt era. Uh, Bobby Eaton, uh, Cornette, and uh, Stan Lane got released, but they kept Bobby around because everybody liked him so much. When he was an yeah. integral part of the the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah. Didn't you say he, um, even after he quit wrestling, what was it you'd said, Brad? What? 
after he quit wrestling in WCW, uh, what did they do for him? Oh, I don't did, remember. Didn't they get like give him an office job just to keep him around? Uh, no, he he he, he didn't get let folks. go. Bobby Eaton had a job until like that very. I don't remember if you guys remember, but like when WCW, like that last year, that uh, that last August, they were in business. They did that big culling of talent, uh-huh. and that's when they finally let him go because he did um he did some ECW ECW appearances, and I know he started showing up in like Memphis Power Pro at the time. Uh-huh. But like he he, I mean that that really says something though that he hung on that long. They didn't want to let him go. Because remember, he was doing, he was in that, like, um, Teddy Long, no, he was Theodore Long at the time, I think. Theodore Long, um, like, uh, stable of jobber to the star guys on the weekend shows. And he was teaming up with, like, hard work Bobby Walker, and I think Jim Powers was being managed by Long at the time. I think so. Matt, did you have any just kind of ancillary stories you'd heard that you wanted to to hit on before we got into specifics? Uh, I haven't heard too many like actual personal stories. Just that he had it. It, it he's not a he wasn't a really a contemporary in the sense that he was you know continuing to to work the the indies or what have you. And he's at sixty two. That's relatively young, but you know his his. His years are kind of behind him, uh, so he didn't quite kind of have. And I guess his contemporaries are kind of have either retired or passed away too. So it's like he didn't have the same outpouring as someone like Brody Lee. But I think if 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 he was like 20 years younger, you know, that he was just like kind of finishing up his in-ring career, he'd probably get the type of outpouring of love from people that Brody got uh, from. Because people actually, like absolutely loved Bobby, and like everyone who worked with him, I don't think I've heard a single bad thing anyone has said about him. Like it's all just like respect and how nice he was. Wasn't there some story? Maybe the I I heard this somewhere that maybe you guys told me that. Maybe Brad, maybe you may have told this that he he carried he used to carry around uh, like a travel bag with him full of like toiletries, mm-hmm. and that was just stuff that he had on hand in case another one of the boys while they were traveling it's like oh man like i, I left my toothpaste he was like i, I got you and he just yeah. pull out a, a thing of toothpaste from the little travel bag he would just stuff like that that he would do for people that he had absolutely no he didn't need to do it i mean he there was times when he was obviously working a, a promotion but he still very much his he's he came up like in the 80s when the territories were still very much in effect and it's like you obviously in the business you need to take care of each other like you by that i mean like you don't take liberties with each other and you want to make sure that you don't kill the business for people but there are guys who are essentially like your rivals kind of so you didn't want to you didn't necessarily need to go out of your way but he did he's he was a guy that again one of the rare people in the business who no one has like a bad thing to say about because he was just so nice and so like kind and 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 good to other people and that i think is what helped him like again after his his days of being an in-ring performer started to dwindle and they they that really kind of ended kind of early like he was probably around like 40 or so yeah when he wasn't really doing much reunion stuff like he would wrestle like some reunion stuff Mm -hmm. with the midnights um but that was more 
I think he stayed more active in like the South and stuff in like yeah. little, little indies. Another story that I, I enjoy, he's an ancillary character in this one though. Mm-hmm. I think it was mid South. It might've been Dallas when they were doing their run. Jim Cornette said they like fled some show where they pissed everyone off. And this like truck came up on them and they're like on the highway, like, you know, and Dennis Condry's like driving. And he says, Dennis Condry reaches under the seat and pulls out the biggest gun he's ever seen in his life and starts brandishing it. And the truck backs off. Yeah. I, I remember that from that, that like Cornet sh- three hour Cornet shoot interview that kicked the, the craze off <laughs> the biggest machine pistol I ever seen in my life. But uh, I, Matt, I've heard the similar story that Bobby just he just had extra stuff for people because that was some, and he you know they'd be on the road to stop at like gas stations and stuff and he'd like feed homeless guys and buy him a new shirt all I, the time. I think Bix actually were had the best um, the best story about Bill Dundee's daughter. Oh mm, yeah. yeah, and she admits she's dating one of the boys and Bill Dundee's like all pissed off. He's like, I'm gonna kill him. Like who is it? She's like, it's Bobby Eaton, and he like completely stops his tracks. Like, well, you pick the right one then. Yeah. I, yeah. Else? I heard somebody went. They got the full detail on, but she said it at dinner, and they're sitting there eating dinner, and she finally turns like, Dad, I'm dating one of the wrestlers, and he's he's eating a steak, so he's got a steak knife, and he like slams it on the table, and he's like, Who is it? I told you not to. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to. And she goes, well, it's Bobby Eaton. And he sits there for a minute and he's dead quiet. And he picks his fork, knife and fork back up and he starts cutting. And he goes, well, that's the right answer. And they were married until last year. Um, no, they were married uh, until this year. I thought she passed away last year. No, she passed away just in July. OK. And, oh, wait. And I take that back. June. It was June. Yeah, I thought okay. that was recent. Too. I, I, I knew it was recent, but no, he's this is a this is one of those unfortunate stories you hear about. Uh, and I mean, my parents are kind of the same way. It's like once once one of them passes away, the other one passes on. Broken heart syndrome. Uh, yeah, because yeah. she apparently died June 26th of this year of breast cancer, which is mm-hmm. uh, it's very tough. And then he passed away, literally like. Not he, even, he had not even been in bad health for a really for Meltzer said he had been in bad health for a while. Yeah, he he apparently had uh, cardiac issues, and I'm also seeing he he had high blood pressure, which I guess you know is tied with the heart. But he also uh, I, this was described as he had a hint of diabetes. I don't know what a hint of is, but he's probably pre-diabetic. I, I, he was probably kicking around that like that six range where you're starting to get into the bad. Yeah, or it could have it could have even developed into type two where he he didn't need insulin but he had to be medicated and watch his diet. But he yeah. his uh his cardiac condition I guess wasn't that good. He you, he had a pacemaker put I in. Think his you can also you can also he could also be like me where I was diagnosed with diabetes at one point, <laughs> but I got my diet and weight under control and it my blood sugars went back to normal and they said I didn't have it anymore. But it, you know, I could get it again. But he might have been, he might have been, you know, yeah, self, self-regulated. I guess would yes. be that. Once, once you are, if you're at least pre-diabetic or you have the very beginnings of type two, if you, if you really like work at your health, like you change your diet and get your blood sugars under control, and you, you, there's some amount of like moderate exercise, you can actually, it's probably 
not quite right to medically say you reverse it, but you can you can kind of reverse it. You can reverse it. My dad has been pre or has been type two diabetic for like twenty thirty years, but mm-hmm. he's now to the point where uh, he's he's with the right mixture of medication and change lifestyle changes. He's pretty much at a like uh, I'm just about don't have it anymore stage. So type two can do something. The about medication it. is a real bitch from what I've yeah. heard though. Like it's not bad once you're on it, but like the the getting on it is is rough. Yeah. Mm. So um, we have uh, four uh, Bobby Eaton matches we're going to break down tonight um, that are we we're going to use to kind of highlight just how good Bobby is or Bobby was and um, part of why he was so respected. Um, as we're sitting there watching this, I can kind of uh, get it. I'm going to I'm going to say it now and then I'll touch back on it later. But one of the things. Oh, by the way, Bobby Eaton was such a good guy that when he passed, Tony Khan put put out put a thing on Dynamite that says, you know, we'll miss you, Bobby. Eaton. You're one of those you, you, uh, memorial Bobby. Eaton, that's right. And Jim Cornette was so touched, he was nice about nice to Tony Khan about it on his podcast. That's how much of it. Have, uh, have either of you listened to the the recent Jim Cornette podcast that he did talking about? No, Bob I don't need to hear. I don't. I can't. Spirit. I don't need to hear a grown. I don't need to hear a grown human being cry about like someone close to them passing away. Yeah, I I haven't heard it. I heard maybe like a literally just like a two minute clip, and he could barely even get through like that without crying yeah. and i understand like the that was his friend they knew each other a long time yeah was i one don't of his closest friends in the world i'm not uh i'm not the biggest fan of cornet uh current podcast just because he he's his, um his gimmick or whatever he's working <laughs> i feel it could be a little too caustic he, well my problem with cornet's podcast is he has i wish he would he would stop fixating i know he does it because of everything has to be clickbait now but i wish he would stop fixating on stuff he hates mm. and talk about like the historical stuff that he has like a great insight into and mm. um that's not what's driving his traffic and has a real affection yeah. for but like and makes you like want to watch stuff but he doesn't like even even his show about questions which should be about old stuff like it's all bled into that and honestly like i don't like I don't really listen to stuff where people talk about politics a lot. And um, he really, he doesn't, he fails to see the irony that he's almost everything that he complains about conservatives <laughs> being. Like, well, he's, I, he's the exact I, same as his parody, like his, um, his straw man idea of a conservative, except he has different political views, but he's exactly everything he complains about. I didn't even know he... He talks politics. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. So, but no, I have, I've, I've read a transcript of it, but that mm-hmm. was as close as I wanted to get. Cause frankly, um, you know, it's, it's tough enough, but one of the things that, um, made Bobby so respected was that he made everybody he was in the ring with, he made them look even better. Not only was Bobby so good in the ring, but everybody he worked with, he helped make them look even better. And you'll notice that when I, if I use the, the phrase oversell, 
then people immediately think like Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, right? But Bobby was masterful in just slightly overselling. You know, there's there's the sell you would expect on something, but just selling it just a little bit more. And when you go through and watch these matches, keep your eye out for it because he is he is so good at it. Um, and it doesn't hurt Bobby Eaton to do it. It just makes the other guy look better. So which match are we going to start with, Brad? Let's just go chronological and start with um, Eaton and Dundee from Memphis. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, one of these days I'm actually going to go through and watch all of Memphis. It's on my to-do list. I really need to do it because I'm going to be 70 and never have done it at the rate I'm going. But one of the things everyone will say, and even Dave Meltzer talked about, is how great the Bobby Eaton, Coco Ware tag team was. Now, was he Coco then, or was he Sweet Brown Sugar? Oh, he might have been Sweet Brown Sugar at the time. Because there was a period, which I barely even know this, but there was a period where he... He was a heel, and he he was no longer Coco Beware. He was Sweet Brown Sugar. Well, now see, WWE added the B on. He was just Coco Ware before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Well, see, there, uh, he had a heel run later where he was Coco Ware again, where he was teaming with Norvell Austin as the Pretty Young Things. Okay. Um, and they they showed up in Mid South and did some stuff there too. But yeah, so I that is true. He he was um he was Sweet Brown Sugar when he joined Jimmy Hart's um, stable. Mm-hmm. I I want to watch the the Memphis stuff too because the, did they would you would you argue like they I don't know if they created the style the Southern style or did they just kind of like popularize it because I think they they did a lot to modernize wrestling like the music videos mm-hmm. and there's a real there's a real flair for Memphis like you you literally mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen on a minute by minute <laughs> basis no but the angles that they did and the the flashes of like violence and, and the angles it's so it's so good it's it it, uh, it holds up today like 30 plus years later the stuff they were doing it's just fantastic yeah like this angle here like is um so this starts off like Jimmy Hart and I have to say I love like 70s love god jimmy hart instead of mouth of the south (laughs) i'm sorry former southern heavyweight champion jimmy hart because i think he had won it (laughs) one time by this point okay um and so they kind of come out and they they're some they're trash talking bill dundee um bobby actually talks and i was surprised he was more I expected it to be far worse than it was because people talk about he wasn't a great talker. And I'm like, well, he got his point across. Like, I would still give him a manager, but he he got the. He's the very very, very very southern. So the that accent's pretty thick, and I I thought he did fine, but yeah, I, I would probably I would have given him a mouthpiece because it could have been worse. It, yeah, there's there's fine, and then there's really good. Fine, you know, fine ain't going to talk anybody in the door, but it's also not going to drive anybody off. He that... conveyed what he needed to convey. Yeah. Uh, quick question, because Brad, you would know this, is who was running Continental this time? Was it Jerry Jarrett? Continental. So this would, well, you talking about, you talking about like the CWA, which was Memphis, or are you talking about Continental, like the Alabama promotion? Wasn't this from the which which promotion was this match from? 
this was from so this is from Memphis, which is Jerry Jarrett's promotion, but it was known as the Continental Wrestling Association. If you got into like the the nitty gritty of it. Okay. And was that Jerry Jarrett booking stuff? So th- there, there's a weird Nick, thing that they Nick did. Was so. like involved with that? I, I, because this kind of blurs together for me. I'm not sure. So Memphis is this weird. Sometimes Jerry Jarrett's booking, sometimes Bill Dundee's booking, sometimes Jerry Lawler's booking. Mm-hmm. Usually what they did is like Lawler would book for six months, Dundee would book for six months. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of rotated it around because you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm when Lawler is booking because the roster kind of bloats out because he doesn't want to fire anyone. And you get some of like the goofy stuff, like, you know, I, did you guys look at the clip I sent you of like Adam West, Batman, like doing a promo in Memphis? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but like, yeah, you can kind of tell, but it does, it does, it changes like every six months Mm -hmm. just because I think, I think, um, that's the smart way. So you don't burn yeah. people out. Um, it, you don't have burnout, and then you mix it up enough that it, it stays interesting. And it, it there was a lot of changes over the years, I think, because there there was always like some. I think there was always a little backstage strife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In one fashion or another, there was always something going on because yeah, it cause, wouldn't be wrestling. Well, the thing with Memphis is what you have to understand about Memphis is he broke off from Goulas and Jarrett, I mean, yeah, and Jarrett was such a success because, you know, a lot of it really does revolve around Jerry Lawler and Lance Russell. Because I think Lance Russell was like a popular weatherman before he um, started doing the Memphis thing. Oh, okay. But you, I mean, I think people in Memphis watched as much because of Lance Russell as anything else. Well, yeah, I mean, he was he was the one grumping about it. Have- lighting a cigarette right before that bra- that empty arena brawl between yeah. Punk and Lawler. So this this whole thing breaks down. So we get a match between Bill Dundee and Bobby Eaton for the Mid-America title, which is a holdover belt from Goulas' territory that they brought over. The one thing mm-hmm. you have to understand, if you don't know much about Memphis, belts don't mean anything, and they change, like, weekly. And that's not a joke. Because <laughs> Lawler's like a... 70-something time Southern Heavyweight Champion. Because it literally does. If someone holds a belt for two months in Memphis, they're getting long in the tooth. Yeah. So, um, and this this leads to them having a match with Jimmy Hart handcuffed to Dutch Mantell, mm-hmm. who's very not hairy here. He must have, uh, he must have got, a, got a good waxing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got trimmed up a bit. So they're handcuffed at ringside. So we get a match. And this is actually... For a TV match in the early 80s, this is, like, quite good. Yeah, it's just pretty good. Um, how how long had Bobby been in the business? Um, a few years, I think, actually. Let me look. Five or six years at this point. Because he, oh, okay. he and Savage had, like, in Goulas' territory. They're not on tape, sadly. But he and Savage supposedly had, like, some amazing matches in the late 70s. Oh wow! I'm looking it up. He. I think he started he also, in '77. If I had to guess. He also formed a tag team with uh with Randy's brother, Leaping Lanny Poffo, mm-hmm. and they won the NWA Mid America Tag Team Championship from get this Leroy Rochester, who I don't know who that is. Oh my God, that's it's Junkyard. Nice. And oh, wow. jun- they won that from Junkyard and Gypsy Joe. 
Nice. Gypsy Joe is now that's a name. Yeah, that is wow. Gypsy Joe, we should. Uh, I don't know if he's worthy of like a his own show, there's, but Gypsy Joe's a tragedy. character. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I thought, what I found impressive here, I think they went home early though because it felt like at one point the middle rope breaks and it feels like they kind of did a couple things yeah. and they were just kind of like screw it, let's let's do this. It's it it did break. I actually thought this match was really really good. Um, even though he Bobby hadn't been in the business, he had been in the business for a while, I guess, but he was like in terms of his age, he was like what twenty three, twenty four, or something like that. Yeah, because I bet he started at like sixteen or seventeen. He started yeah, at like seventeen. He did, start, he did start at sixteen doing yeah. jobs. He was so goddamn good at that at, at this age. Like he, I mean, he was good until like he basically ended his career. But I mean, he he was so good in this match. Like it, twenty twenty three, twenty four. He was so polished. He was so like good. Um, and Bill Dundee's really good too. Like well, Ben Bill yeah. Dundee. Bill Dundee doesn't get. I mean, he's. I guess in many respects, like he's kind of forgotten in the sense that if he was five inches taller, he would have been massive. In yeah, the he he's yeah. short, and mo- and like the majority of his his career was in. I guess you can say even before the '80s, but definitely like the '80s, and I guess edging into like the early '90s. But he was he was always like with more of the territories, and then by what? like by mid, he did manage the blue bloods in wcw that's true like in mid by the mid 90s early to mid 90s he he had moved over to to wcw uh managing lord stephen regal and then um as part of the blue bloods but you know what that's in retrospect that's actually really like did he manage the, dave taylor when he was doing like that weird like, um, i think i think he did but okay. it, it has a new dimension, actually, where he was managing the Blue Bloods, and it's like, oh, technically, that was his son-in-law <laughs> that he was mm-hmm. managing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we have to forget, we can't forget, too, that his um his son had quite the mark on the business, too. Uh, Jamie Dundee. Jamie Dundee. J.C. Ice. Oh, Is he in jail? <laughs> Is he? I don't know. He seems like a know. degenerate. I don't know. There's a clip of him. I need to find because it's hilarious. He's talking about how giant um, Robert Fuller's hog was. And he's just <laughs> giggling like an idiot about it. Yeah. Because I don't. I am. Because we were watching something. It was something Memphis. And my, my wife was complaining because Robert Fuller was wrestling. And she's like, couldn't he have like taped his junk in? And I'm like, no, he couldn't. Like, that's probably taped in. Like, he would have to cut it off for you to not see it. Yeah. There there was, um, I can't remember who the joke, there was a joke about somebody in McFoley's book who would, um, was, was talking smack about it. And then he said, and he did right until Robert Fuller came to visit from, from Tennessee and showed everyone why he was called the Tennessee stud. And then that guy never talked about it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, what I like too is Jimmy Hart. Man, Jimmy Hart was so much better in Memphis. Like he's so active at ringside yeah. during this. Yeah. This I again I to go back to this match, like I really this there was things in this match that I really loved and I felt was so like uh exemplary and, and very indicative of like the Southern style is that there was a lot of there. They would do things that 
compared to like the things that you see today, it was simple. It's like a dude literally could uh, could go for a move because wasn't I think Bill Dundee like went for a move and then missed it off like top rope, and that 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 allowed Eaton to take over on the offense. But it, a, something as simple as like a punch or just a missed move like that, it they literally like could feed into that and and, and make everything flow from that but also like punch simply as simple as a punch and a kick can mm-hmm. have like so much meaning and and they sell it like it's devastating like you could have you could have eaten like punch just like give like a good punch to dundee and then dundee could just be like staggering and they collapse and it's like it, it's the selling is so good little things matter so much it's well, and i like that i like like what you talk about like bill dundee misses a move and then mm-hmm. you see jimmy hart like jumps out of his chair and like you know, um, Mantel starts like yanking on him to get him to sit back down. And, you yeah. know, as the match is getting more heat- heated, like they're struggling more because Hart wants to get up on the apron and like cheer yeah. him on and stuff. And, you know, he's just like inching closer to cheat. And there's there's like so much going on around the ring, but it's also yeah. not distracting away from it. It's like a little accentuating point. It reminds yeah. me a lot of if um, if you rewatch WrestleMania three and you don't watch Hogan and Andre and you watch Bobby, he- Bobby Heenan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just watch like the growing, like concern on his face as the whole match goes on. It's a lot like that. Um, I know Eaton did sells off of one punch that Dundee did in that match at least once. And I mean, there, there's two sides to that on one hand, you know, you watch day in and guys, you know, punch, 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 and it's like no big thing. You could still very easily have a match where you're doing stuff and then one guy just turns and like you know, sucker punches the other guy and the other guy stumbles and wobbles and drops down the corner and he's holding his face like, oh, God. like it's not hard to do. It's just that nobody does it. Can, can I talk um, about one thing Bobby Eaton did in a couple of these matches that I absolutely love and no one does? What's that? Is the way he rolls off of a knee drop. You when know, he drops a yes. knee, he does this, like, hip roll off of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm Like, no one does that. And it looks so good. Someone asked him. They said, Bobby, can you teach me how to do a knee drop like you do? And Bobby showed him two or three times. No, no. How do you do that? And Bobby goes, I don't know. I just do it. Like, it was natural for him to do a flying knee drop like that. That that just boggles my mind. There's some, like, there's something so natural and good-looking about it that makes the only other knee drop I think I like as much is when Flair, like, puts the the knee yes. pad down to drop the, the Flair, knee on someone. Flair is, Flair's is still, to me, like, the best, because I love, like, the the rolling thing he does. And I actually saw, like, a video online where it's, like, uh, just some indie worker showing like how you how you do that mm-hmm. uh and it is actually clever because if you if if you do it correctly like everyone's everyone's eyes watch the motion of the role but you don't actually come close to connecting with the knee but no one no one sees that because you're distracted by the role and it looks really really cool like yeah. the roll through, it looks like it's devastating because it's like not only did he just drop a knee on them, his momentum like used his momentum to carry him over. So it looks cool and also looks brutal. 
Yeah. And you don't even touch the guy really. That his is my favorite, but Bobby's was Bobby's was really great. But there's um there's kind of a theme that I notice watching all these matches. It's like it's no wonder that that towards the end of his career, and even when he was not that old of a man, like early forties, that Bobby started having all these like hip issues because there's so much of this offense. Like he doesn't I don't feel like he takes back bumps so much as he takes like bumps on his hip. And and the Alabama jam really Yeah. Yeah. That that did it. Um it but Alabama Jam, it's the best top rope leg drop that I can think of anybody doing. Uh, like, I will, second place is like psychosis. I would put psychosis is a little over there because there's something psychosis gets this like certain hang time to his that like makes his look extra good. Mm-hmm. My problem with psychosis is that like whereas Bobby comes down. And as part of his landing, he's kind of turning. So he's not landing directly on his tailbone. Psychosis looks like he is. And that just, that sends a shiver of my spine when I see it. So, like, Bobby Eaton and psychosis for top rope leg drops. And that's it. Like, consider what kind of company you're keeping at that point. Like, that, that, that's... To be, like, the best in the business at something is no mean feat. And there's Bobby with two of them. A flying leg drop and a flying knee drop off the top. I mean, it, it's just... They're just the best. That's the fun thing about... If you watch, like, 85 JCP when they come in, they literally spend, like, the first year just killing jobbers a different way every match. Mm-hmm. And it, Well, it being Bobby... It looked like he was killing him. But. Like there was one he did like a power slam off the top on some guy. Yeah, I think he um, did a lot of really cool big moves to people that they weren't even like finishes. They were just he would just murder people. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and they got the all of the fun of the rocket launcher too, mm-hmm. which which is I mean, it, let's be honest. Let's shoot straight for a second. That ain't like big stuff right like it's a guy doing your 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 dude's still just he's doing a flying splash but that flying splash you know the other guy looking like he's adding to it just makes a world of difference it's like doing the like any of that that the tag team stuff kind of falls into that though even like the spike pile driver is kind of a little silly when you think about it uh, you know what? I, I get the spike pile driver. It, the spike pile driver is a lot easier for me. We'll put it that way. But any, you know, in any event, I prefer the Vegematic for the Midnight's to <laughs> the rocket launcher. I feel like the rocket launcher is more of a face move than a heel move. The only people that I saw do it consistently were the Midnight's and uh, Fantastics. Well, yeah. Well, I didn't get to see much of the Fantastics for a long time. You know, um, I'm going to say contra- something controversial for the next match, but we'll we'll keep that. But um, we'll the, keep that uh, um, you know, myself and my tag partner, or the guy that got me in the business, BJ Fuller, he's like, we use the rocket launcher. I've got a picture of us doing it somewhere. But it was just like, hey, you know, we're having this big match. I'm like, we're going to do a rocket launcher? He goes, yeah, we're going to do a rocket launcher. I was like, just checking. Because, I mean, we couldn't not do a rocket launcher, right? 
So what was the next match we were going into? So up next we have, um, since we're going chronological, so this mm-hmm. is Clash of the Champions 1, which you've actually done the main event of. This is the second match on the card. This is for the U.S. Tag Team titles, the Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. And this quickly turns into just a giant brawl. Oh, it starts so hot. And what you know what I like that WWE doesn't do is I like that Jim Cornette was getting his licks in too. Yeah, he was he was very much involved. Um, and they don't like having managers involved in New York for some reason. Yeah, I like that. But what I thought, what I love though is is the table spot where like was it was it Fulton that went into the table or was it Rogers? I can't remember because we I got delayed a week on this. I don't, I do not remember. But they sold that like they got just shot. Yeah. But, so though I'm going to say this controversial thing right now. I actually prefer the Fantastics to the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnights. Because, um, Ricky Morton is something special, but I feel like Tommy Rogers is up there as, like, a really underrated talent. And I feel like Bobby Fulton is like the Robert Gibson of that pairing, but he is more capable and adds more than Robert Gibson. So I feel like they are a more game tag team for like the crazy stuff like this versus the. I see what you're saying there, and I can at least vouch for what a good guy Bobby Fulton is. So. And they they ended up being all Japan regulars because the Rock and Roll did not like the stiffness of the style, and the Fantastics like, hey, we'll do it. Yeah, and that's how they ended up over there. But I, I, I love gonna, Tom, I love Tommy Rogers though. It's because it, he died what five years ago maybe. I don't remember. Because you got to do Austin's podcast once. That's actually a good one if you go back and listen so, to it. One of the things I wanted to point out at the start of this match that's just so much fun. You know, they had this big chaotic hot start, and like you said, Cornette's getting involved, which I love because. What's the point in having a manager if the manager's not going to get involved a little bit? Mm-hmm. But this whole opening, I don't know, what is it, like the first five minutes of the match or something? Is this big, chaotic brawl? I'd, I'd actually, I'd say five minutes, but I bet it's even shorter than that if, if we really... Okay, but it looks incredibly chaotic, and it looks like this crazy brawl, which we get, there's two things that stuck out to me. Number one, we got this incredibly chaotic, crazy brawl that had no jump cuts in it. Like, we got to see this crazy-ass <laughs> brawl happen, hard camp. And it was engaging, because I can track what's happening. They're just over there, like, we're throwing here, we're throwing this guy here, we're kicking this guy. Here comes Cornette, and he goes, whack, 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 you know. that's. And I didn't have a jump cut every half a second to screw up my view of it and, and they piss me off. They weren't contriving their placement for the hard cam either like they were just they were just going yeah and the other thing if and i I, i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say it takes a worker's eye to notice it but i noticed to me they're doing all this crazy stuff but none of them ever looked like they were out of control or did not have a handle on what they were doing it's it's frenetic it's fast-paced it's high energy but, like, none of them are flying in a way and, like, their arms are winning and like, oh, God, this is not what – like, everything is controlled, even if it's high-energy, fast-paced, wild-looking. And, and I, that 
just means they knew what they were doing so well. And I like that it was like, so they kind of settle it down into an actual match, but you're just kind of waiting for them to get out of control again because it really mm-hmm. never settles down, even though they start actually wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like the whole pace of this match was just. Again, I've said this. I said this about Rotunda and Sting. Like this is a perfect example of like how 80s NWA gave you stuff WWE just would not give you in this yeah. era. And this is it, because this is just like this is chaos. There's just you know, there's just carnage everywhere. The only thing this was missing, like if someone would have gigged a little bit, I think it would have been. It great. was really early on in the card to blood yeah. to get some blood out there, but. It, and, you and have all they, of this happening, and it's fun. It is fun to watch this craziness go on. It's such a, a good match, and the crowd is nuclear hot. Like, they are on fire for this. If there had been blood, there may have been a riot. Like, people were like that. <laughs> that yeah. They were fired up. And, and this, I want to just say, like, this is another example of why we, like, almost two years ago, we did a whole um, – show on favorite play by play guys and this is really why i think like to me everyone everyone loves attitude era jr for me it's like late 80s early 90s jr is like peak jr and yeah probably my favorite uh play by play guy he was on fire for this he was on fire this entire show like we talked about we talked about his his commentary would do in the sting rick flair match but he was just on fire for so this good. just so much energy, so like into everything. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, and like we said, it's crazy, it's wild, and it's fun to watch, and it's engaging. God. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Fav- Go ahead, Fred. Go ahead. I like that. You know, they have this reputation as a technical team, but they, like both teams are showing, like, yeah, we can get down and dirty, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, do this the nasty way if you want to watch us do that. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about this match, it, we haven't touched on it yet, but my favorite thing about this match is the fact that they, whenever it, it, they kind of settle it into more of a standard match, yes, the Midnight Express, isol- they cut the ring in half and they isolate one guy to work on, right? But here's the thing, it does not look contrived it does not look like this is the part of the part of the match where we cut the ring in half this is the part where we do this thing keep the guy from getting there everything flows so naturally that you're not thinking oh you know they're they're keeping him over there so the other guy can't take it these two guys have a hold of this guy and they're keeping him you know in the middle or on their side of the ring and just beating the hell out of him and the fact that he can't go tag just kind of seems like a bonus it it and maybe I'm phrasing it poorly. That's possible, but it just all flows so well. It's so well done that I almost missed it. But I was like, no, they're cutting it in half. And I'm just watching that everything that they're doing is kind of feeding into we're doing this and then I bring you in and you do this and then you bring me back in and that sort of stuff. And it's so good. It is so good. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, there's one other thing. I was going to say. Oh, I mean, the Midnight Express had had most of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, they they it was just such a great 
a tag team match. You could just if you were if you were a trainer trying to teach people wrestling and and specifically trying to teach them how to be good tag team workers, like you could just show them this match and be like, you need get you need to study this match because one of the things like it was so effective is that even though the Midnight's had I would say the majority of the match in terms of offense, like they just let the hope spots build and then you know they would happen and then oh they cut them off but they, it was the they built the the anticipation and the build up to to you know the the hope the comeback so perfectly mm-hmm. it's like a master class this is an absolutely fantastic match this is um i know we really don't do like star ratings here but if i had to rank it it's it's definitely four and up it's oh yeah oh, it's a fantastic match I like the uh, there's the things I like though that um it's really a lost art like the the blind tag that only heels should do. Mm, yeah. I love I love the blind tag. And the and the like face finally like maybe getting that offense in or like slipping between the heels legs and like making that like lunging tag at it. I like that better than when they do the oh he got beat up and oh the face did the one move and now the heel's just as damaged as he is. I, I don't like that spot. And they have to do it as slowly, as slowly as possible. I, I'm I'm guilty of doing that that kind of thing once, but when I did it, um the match that I'm thinking of anyway, like I had gotten beat up a whole bunch at the beginning of the match. I come in and I'm working on the guy and when we're getting ready to go into it, I tell him to start firing up on me. And I tell him to drop me with a DDT. And when when he does this, I dropped closer to my corner. Like, instead of us just, like, laying spread eagle in the middle of the ring, I dropped on the other side of him closer to my corner. And he dropped closer to his. And so, like, I'm, I'm doing the, like, I'm not damaged, but I'm just kind of like stunned trying to get my bearings together. And the other guy's just like, you know, dragging himself over to get the pin. And when I finally shook out of it and realized I rolled over and I went for the tag, and I'm like, Oh God, no, you know, but, um, you know, that, that, that's not like you were saying, that's, that's not what we have here. We don't have the, the, the iceberg tags. Yeah. I hate iceberg tags. <laughs> I like though, like when when they're about to make it, right? He's, he's about to make the tag. The partner comes in and gets the ref mm. to yell at him, and he misses the tag, and he turns around and yells at the the face for coming in. Or the other one that I think's like is um is a lost art too that you don't see much is like just go, the guy going over there and like bitch slapping the guy in the apron. Yeah. And then like then they start getting heat on him, double teaming him while. The, the ref's trying to get the guy back out of the ring. Yeah. Oh, and you know what the hell of it is? is you've got to get the timing right for that. You can't... Because there's some people that just... I mean, they just screw the timing up on that. Um, but, but, you know, when you get that figured out, oh, God, it just, it just flows. It's like melted butter. It's just perfect. So then we have another tag from a couple years later this is also an infamous tag this one's probably more famous than the the this one for some uh-huh. reason this one the fantastics one i feel like doesn't get the credit it deserves because it's really i think because it's on a show with so much great stuff on it it gets kind of lost yeah it's it's not um 
it, it kind of suffers by in comparison because you know it gets lost in the crowd. So this one we have up next is the Midnight Express versus the Southern Boys. The Southern Boys are Tracy Smothers and is it is it Scott or Steve Armstrong? I think it's Scott. It's Steve Armstrong. Oh, Steve. Okay. Steve. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now the one thing I did notice is Tracy Smothers worked a lot of this match. Yeah. Tracy's kind of the, uh, well, I mean, he's the older hand at it, so he's he's doing a lot of the, he's doing a lot of work on the face side. And what I noticed here, though, is the Midnight Express are very different in how they approach this match to how they approach the Fantastics match. They're mm-hmm. very much more bullies in this match than they were in the Fantastics one. Yeah, uh, the... Now that I'm going to say this, I'm I'm going to forget. But did they have like size on uh, on on the the Southern Boys or, or eh, not? You know, a little bit maybe. I bet you I know what it is. I, I bet I bet you I know what it is. They okay. So the Wild Eyed Southern Boys are doing like the full on Skinnered Stars and Bars gimmick, and they're in Baltimore, right? <laughs> Not exactly. <clears throat> they are kind of, right? Yeah. They kind of realize this is a bad idea, and I think they eventually become like the Young Guns shortly after this. They became yeah. the Young Pistols. Pistols, yeah, that's right. Because the Young Guns was um, Paul Roma and... No, that's the Young Stallions. It was Tom... Young Guns, I think, was Tom Zink and Johnny Gunn. Oh. Ew. Yeah, and Johnny Gunn... <laughs> Johnny Gunn, I think, later on became... Tom uh, Brandy, I think, is who he is. It, Tom Brandy's his real name. He became Salvatore Sincere. And also stole Bill, the... Bill Wilkes' least, least favorite person. Yes. Well, because he stole his gimmick and he pretended like he was the real Patriot, which is a real scumbag move. Mm-hmm. I believe the Patriot's exact words is he wanted to punch Tom Brandy in the mouth. Right. Well, and if that's all he, he throw, that's all the shade he throws, then... Honestly, that's not as bad as it could be, but um, I, I think that they were like, okay, we're in Baltimore. This this Southern Boys gimmick is less likely to fly, so we've got to dial the heat up earlier. Like, dial up harder heat earlier on would be my guess. I, I'm sure I could find it. I'm sure there's enough shoot interviews about it and stuff, but uh, that's my guess. My takeaway from this is Tracy Smothers is really good at his job, even at this point in his career. Because I think he was only, he might have been five or six years in at this point. Mm-hmm. But Steve Armstrong's kind of whatever. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't tell you anything specifically he did in this match. I, really, Tracy Smothers stood out mm-hmm. as well as the Midnight's, but it was... um. This is worth its reputation. I think it's aged really well, I think, because it's yeah. it's really because I hadn't seen it in a long time. I guess what surprised me is it's very formula. Like it stays it, to the formula very well, even it though does, it does. But with twists sprinkled in, like I, one thing I wrote at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of this match. Oh, we have a Sabat kick party, um, which isn't quite the same as a super kick party. <laughs> But they yeah. have the karate duel between Stan Lane and and Smothers, I guess. Just right, just just right, dead in the middle of the match, they've got a karate duel between the two of them, which doesn't seem out of place. It works, 
and it's it's good, you know. Like yeah, the the it it follows the formula, but that uh, that's not a bad thing. This is this is kind of that style of match we've talked about before. The 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 vets coming in and showing the young the young pups, hey, we can do all this like crazy flashy stuff that you young guys think you can do and we can do it just as well as you yeah yeah and um, in this case they're like hey we're the guys that invented half of this crap you're doing so like let's show you how it's we're done gonna, we're gonna show you what's up yeah. matt you've been kind of quiet i want to make sure you get a chance to chime in uh i i actually watched this match earlier today it was absolutely fantastic um I thought it was it almost had as much heat I felt as the the clash match like the people were really on fire like good commentary um it was probably more back and forth um I didn't feel like midnight had most of the match I felt like there was it was kind of like parody between the two teams um Bobby did some really cool stuff this is where I kind of observed like he was taking all the bumps like on his hip mm-hmm. uh, but he did a really couple a couple like really cool things there was one where he like gave a did you see this? Like he gave a backbreaker to I forget if it was Armstrong or or if it was to to Tracy Smothers, but he gave like a backbreaker and he like held the guy on his knee. Yeah. And he made it look like easy. Like he looked he looked like a badass. <laughs> he looked like he just lifted a dude up like with one hand and like smashed him on his knee. He looked really cool. I made yeah. I made note of yeah. that move too because that looked that very was really cool. Yeah. Um. He Bobby in this was just really really good. Um, a lot of big moves. He actually, Bobby actually probably worked in terms of like to the extent that Midnight had control of the match. Like he probably worked like eighty percent of it. Like Stanley. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I noticed that too. Cause I'm like, well, like this is really kind of an Eaton showcase because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember a lot that Stan did. I remember a lot that like Eaton did. Yeah, he would come in and uh, Stan would come in and do like some karate moves, and then he'd tag out. Bobby was one. To, like all the big moves, including an Alabama jam, which yeah. uh, which didn't even get a three count because there was like uh, some interference or some schmas. Yeah, it was a, that was at the uh, in the ending sequence, which they did such a good job. Like ending se- like they went into the ending is like oh finish distraction finish distraction finish distract like you keep looking for finishes you expect to happen and they keep subverting you. Um, I loved, by the way, that the section where the Midnight's in, in control in this match, they were in control, but they weren't dominating. So you had, um, you know, Stan and Bobby are working whichever one over, but it's not like that they're, they're just crushing him. Um, every, every hope spot that one of the Southern boys comes up with looks credible and looks like it might break it open and then the next like claw it back it's like oh god he almost got away from us and they get it back not like nope you're not doing that it's just like oh god oh god oh god oh god oh god and it's so god it that just draws you in even more because it's like is this going to be the time is this going to be i know how the match ends i've watched this before but Mm -hmm. every time i'm like is this the one that does it is this the one that does it is this oh he almost got away there you know just just pulls you right in so let's head to our final match of the evening here so this is this is from worldwide and i think september of 97 so who knows when they actually um 
when they actually tape this, I'm gonna guess sometime in June. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the main event. This is Randy Savage, NWO Savage, which is really uh, I was kind of shocked at this point that he was making worldwide appearances. I think big names like rotated through worldwide just periodically. Like it, there had to be a main event on worldwide, so they had to get somebody notable to do it. And so um, this is this is Savage versus Eaton, and um. Really, Eaton was kind of a nothing at this point. If you if you watched at the time, because I think we were all active watchers of. Did you guys watch the weekend shows at this point? When I could. Yeah, I not really, because at this point I was I probably like started college or was going to, and so I kind of like that kind of dwindled. Okay. I I was very rarely like home on the weekends at the times the shows would be on like maybe Saturday night, but I, I didn't get a chance to watch much weekend stuff. It was, it was very rare. So this is, um, I had satellite at the time. So worldwide was on like all the time. So I okay. usually could catch it. So anyway, Eaton was kind of a nothing. You would see him pick up wins. Like he, he would, he would consistently get wins on the, the weekend programs, but like you, it was always over like job guys or he might beat like, I don't even know. He might beat like Laparka. Mm-hmm. He'd have like a 50-50 shot against like a Laparka or like a Psychosis. I know it's the kind of, Psychosis would beat him at this point because he is kind of getting pushed. Yeah. But he was he was definitely like a, a, a jobber to the stars by this point. Yeah. Um, the story behind that I love the story behind this. The story behind it is that Savage was, they were like, all right, Randy, you know, we're going to have you main event this worldwide show. Who do you want to work? He's like, you know, I'm going to work Bobby Eaton. They're like, all right, well, you, you can go ahead and squash Bobby. He's like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Like, yeah, go ahead and squash. And Savage wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, this is Randy Savage just turned NWO hot as fire, like riding top of the card stuff. And and he goes kind of even with Bobby Eaton. Oh yeah, Bobby for for what should have been essentially like a squash match or definitely like a a prelim match where Bobby was the enhancement talent. <laughs> um, he gave Bobby a ton, probably because yeah. obviously they were friends, they knew each other for going on like twenty years. And I mean, they did that. They were pretty young in the business when they were having those like crazy undercard matches that people swear mm-hmm. were like the, like they were just doing like crazy yeah crazy like stuff to each other yeah um like could you imagine so, could you imagine mm-hmm. probably like a 20 year old savage and a, like an 18 year old eating just like flying everywhere because they're young and they don't realize hey this stuff's gonna hurt in 20 years yeah i you know Watching it, the thing that I loved was that um, in the course of doing this, Bobby, because you lo- you watch it like, why is Bobby just keeps going back to the arm? It's like, of course Bobby keeps going back to the arm. He's trying to take the elbow drop out. And the announcers never say anything about it, but Bobby Eaton keeps working Randy Savage's arm so Randy Savage can't drop the elbow on him. It's just... You know, I have to say, though, I mean, he Savage gave him a lot here, but I always feel like anytime I see Savage work anyone above a jobber, 
he always gives guys a little more than maybe they deserve. But you wouldn't expect him to go even and then have to cheat to beat Bobby Eaton on Worldwide. Like, the only time I, I saw him gobble someone up that could have potentially been a name is when it, the point of the match was for him to do that because it was really DDP that was going to diamond cutter him out of nowhere. Oh, that LaParka match? Yeah, that's the only time I've seen him really gobble someone above a jobber up, but that was, like, the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, Paige playing possum to sucker him in. Yeah. But, but yeah... It, he he went. They went even, and Savage cheated to win in what should have been a squash match. There are some some good old school healing here, where like where Bobby's going after Savage, and Savage just like pulls Miss Elizabeth in front of him. Yeah, like that was a that was a really fun. Like I, this was just such a fun match. I had Gorilla, I had Gorilla Monsoon like being disgusted commentary in my he- head when he did that. <laughs> the only thing I, I have to say about this though is you could tell Heenan was like three sheets to the wind by this point. <laughs> His focus wavered a little bit, right? Yeah, he was. He was. I think. He, I think this was probably like episode six of the taping cycle, and he was probably like eight beers in. <laughs> probably. I thought this was solid for like a worldwide match, though. I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was good because Eaton was obviously diminished as a worker and Savage was not Savage by this point. I was surprised that Savage was not as um as gassed up as he would become like about a year later after this. He was actually between like what his normal look is and his like super gassed look by the end. Like so he was kind of a tweener look wise right now oh um this match does have one of those things i mentioned bobby doing earlier about the slight oversell is there's a section where savage reverses um an arm ringer on uh on bobby like bobby's working the arm savage reverses it right he turns like he's got he's got the arm twisted and then he turns and he kicks bobby in the torso well you would expect you got someone you know, you got them in an arm ringer and you kick and they, the common thing is they're going to drop to a knee and they're going to grab their shoulder and they're going to be like, oh, God, you know, he kicked my shoulder while it was being torqued. Bobby is like kind of bent forward, standing upright, bent forward, takes the kick to the gut and then rotates all the way to a back bump. And it's it's a little thing, but it makes Savage just look that much meaner. Um, and, and that's, that's, that was the hallmark example I pulled out of these four matches of, of Bobby Eaton overselling just a touch to make the other person look good. And, you know, if, if I was combing the matches looking for it, I'm sure I could, I could find more, but that was my favorite example of it for some reason that I, I can't articulate. I wonder if I saw this live and I just don't remember it because I was watching worldwide at the time. I don't think I watched it every week, though. Oh, man. Well, but the shame of it is, you know, we we had a guy who was a legend in and out of the ring, you know, pass away. And it's a crime shame. Um, We should come back after after the next episode and do like the 92 
war games that he was in. Oh, wow. Because that's probably... Matt, would you say that's the best war games? Which one? 92. Yeah. My personal favorite. Because that's Sting versus the Dangerous Alliance, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is Dustin Rhodes in that one? Yeah. Ooh. It was uh, Sting, Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes... Dust, sorry, Dustin Rhodes, um, Ricky Steamboat, and I think Nikita Koloff. Yeah, I think Nikita was... He turned face by that point. Yeah. He wasn't in the business much longer after that. No, because no. he gets into that Vader series, and Vader essentially like retires him. He did pop mm. up in TNA, though. Yeah, I think Nikita said that he he like tore his abdominal wall lifting Vader for something. Mm-hmm. And, God, I, I can't even imagine what kind of pain that is. The magic was kind of gone from Nikita by this point, though, too. Uh, maybe a little bit. It, the Things were kind of changing. Um, he didn't really fit as, like, a heel anymore. No. Um, you, you could have had him as, like, a, a main event face, but you really... You really kind of needed to push him to like the the title or like a big a big position, and that kind of just wasn't where he was at. And he was getting to that point where like his offense was getting outdated for the times. Yeah, I still think overall like Nikita was a pretty cool character. Oh, he's, I love watching him like just murder jobbers in like the eighties. Oh, there's a great there's a great clip of where. Uh, Davy Crockett was like talking shit to Ivan Koloff, and eventually Nikita just like gets sick of it and just hauls off and gives a sickle to Davy Crockett. Oh, Davey that's Crockett. that that one's great because like Flair like just loses it the next week and just starts oh, yeah. going Pe- off on him. Yeah, people want to riot. They're like uh, to the extent that people would be stunned. Like people were stunned. Cause you didn't really do that back in the day. No, no, you didn't. You didn't lay hands on. Because the the only other one around that time that I can remember is um, when Don Morocco is menacing Gordon Sully and Heel Piper just attacks him because Piper's like the color guy. And they start brawling in the studio as um, Gordon flees. Well, I'm sorry, I should take that back. Like, so... Don Morocco's, like, yelling at him, and Piper's trying to, like, intercede, and he keeps, like, pushing him away. And then Piper finally just has it and, like, jumps him. That's a mm. great Georgia one, though. Have you guys seen that one? Which one? The one where, um, in Georgia, where Don Morocco is, like, about to, like, get into it with Gordon Sully, and Piper just attacks him. Because he's, he's, like, the color guy, and he's, like, trying to, like, break it up, and Morocco keeps, like, pushing him away, and they start brawling. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that at all. I'll send you guys a video after the show. It's it's a good little angle. You know, Morocco's really Morocco's really an underrated guy because people see his like later work where he was more lazy. Mm. It's always a shame whenever someone's judged by the uh, the nadir of their career instead of the apex. To use some big words, um, to to be judged by their decline as opposed to their peak. And he was like a beach bum, and he wrestled like a beach bum. That's what I liked. He wrestled like his character. (laughs) 
that's something that it, it feels like is a missing link for a lot of people is they don't have like, okay, I'm a guy, I'm doing this gimmick, but my ring style doesn't match my gimmick. Yeah, you know who drives me nuts about that? And I'm, I'm pretty sure Matt's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But Silas Young, mm-hmm. who does like he's the last real man. But then he does like all this like this like super like agility, like, you know, handspring elbows. And he tries to keep up with everyone. And I'm just like, I love your character, but your character's the most aer- aerial thing your character should do is a drop kick. Because the last real man isn't going to be doing all that fancy, like, jumping off the ropes and stuff. knocking people down. Yeah. I, this might be unpopular, but that's actually something that kind of bugged me about Becky Lynch since she went from, like, steampunk Becky to the man Becky. Is She's carrying herself as this, as this like, legit ass kicker, right? But she has the same matches she had beforehand. I don't, it it felt like I didn't see Becky Lynch, like the match starts and Becky just like sock somebody in the face and be like, you don't screw with me or anything like that. It, it, I, I wish that there was more of that in her ring work, but it feels like her work didn't change from gimmick to gimmick, which I wish it had a little more. Yeah, I think um I think I think that's a rare quality. Like I think Oscar wrestles really a lot like her character. Well that was that was part of what I think made Austin work is Austin went from well, post neck injury, I guess I should say. Is even though um I, I don't like the fact that everybody tried to copy it, Steve Austin went from kind of being this technician to because he couldn't do that sort of stuff as much just tell with it. Let's kick the hell out of everything. And he would just run riot and just punch the living hell out of everything. Yeah. And his, that his, um, fit. I, it's really something I didn't realize it until in, in hindsight, but that whole big run in the late nineties, his neck is really just held together by bubble gum and duct tape. Yeah. But what does he do? What is, what is an Austin match in that time period? Punch, 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 punch. Um, as press, it, if there's press, punch, 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 punch. He might come off the second rope with, or off the top with a jumping punch. And uh, there's some, there's some. He'll tease a pile driver and take a backdrop. Some but, um, crowd brawling mixed in too for like the pay per views. But it's it's, I mean, really, Steve Austin's matches post neck injury were mostly a lot of punching unless you were getting plunder involved, and that's that worked for Stone Cold. That fit the character. That's great. I always thought Rock wrestled like his character, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Rock wrestled. Because there's just (laughs) enough flamboyance to it, right? I Um, always thought he he was a good worker for a while, but lost mobility. But I always thought Rikishi was really underrated for wrestling. Like, Rikishi, the character, would wrestle. You know, I, I think you're right. I'm, I'm thinking back on all of Rikishi's stuff. He he worked very well with the idea of throwing his weight around. Mm-hmm. So, like, hey. one of Rikishi's big spots was a super kick, but not in the way everybody else does it. As in, like, I'm here, 
I got this big, hefty ham hock of a leg, and I'm going to kick you with it, and it just knocks you right the hell down. Well, of course that makes sense. Uh, I, yeah, I, the more I think on it, the more I agree with you. Um, Val Venus, I thought he wrestled to his character well. Um, Lance Storm, I always thought, kind of meshed the two well. I think one Lance's um, Canadian title collector run in WCW as this, like, I am so good, I'm going to run all over everything. Who would have thought that a single-leg crab would have become a credible finish at some point? But I know. Lance Storm did it, and, I, and it worked. I yeah, will tell you, I will tell you who is the master and is unparalleled of... Everything he does in the ring is what his character would do as Minoru Suzuki. Like, he is unparalleled for, like, his character work. It just being an absolute psychopath. I, I don't know enough about him to have an opinion. I'm you, sorry. You have seen, you saw his match with AJ Styles that you really liked. Yes, but I haven't seen enough of him to have, have a fully formed opinion, is what I'm saying. That was his character distilled into a match pretty good of just being a... Like, I'm going to bite you, your fingers, just because I can. And it's fun. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think that's um, I think that's a wrap for yeah. this. We're going to come back next week. We're actually going to... I think we're going to... We're just going to kind of shoot the breeze a bit about WCW and talk about... I think we each picked out an angle we really like, and I'm sure we'll have some asides for yeah. WCW stuff we liked. So, as a quick rundown for everybody... Uh, the four matches that, that we watched, um, Bobby Eaton versus Bill Dundee from Memphis with Jimmy Hart and uh, Dutch Mantel at ringside. Uh, Midnight Express versus the Fantastics from the first Clash of the Champions. Um, Midnight Express versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys from Great American Bash 1990. And then Bobby Eaton versus Randy Savage from... WCW Worldwide, about 97 or so. Yeah. You have you to go to Daily Motion for... Like um, Daily Motion or Vimeo, but you can find them. The, 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 you have to get the Southern Boys one on Daily Motion. The other three are on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, if you're going to get two, get the tag matches because they're that good. If you're going to get one... It's going to be between the Southern Boys match and the um, the Fantastics match. Just kind of whatever seems to strike you. But I would so actually, good. I'm going to go counter to Shad. I would actually recommend doing the Bill Dundee one so you can get some of that Memphis flavor and really just get a spectacle versus like mm. a good match. Like just get just get some of that Memphis storytelling in there, and it'll really kind of scratch an itch and make you want to. Because I found the um, the follow-up match of that, which is um, Eaton and Sweet Brown Sugar versus uh, Dundee and King Cobra. Mm -hmm. Which I think is from like the Mid-South Coliseum from the Monday following that. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say me personally, I'd recommend the Memphis one just because it's got some really nice like flavor of story in there. And Jimmy Hart's really good in it too. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I mean the, the two tag matches that we reviewed are probably like classic, so can't go wrong with those. Yeah. Um, the Eaton Dundee match was fun to me because it's like really Eaton, and also like again it says uh, 
Memphis stuff that I hadn't seen a lot of before. Uh, and the Eaton Savage match was fun just because it's almost like a curiosity, but it's it's such a different dynamic where Eaton is actually like the face kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a, all these are fun matches. They're definitely worth your time. And he had such a fantastic career that you can't really go wrong with watching a lot of Bobby stuff. <laughs> you um, really can't. Would you, I think this is kind of like high praise and it's it's almost like, I don't want to gauge like hyperbole, but he he probably would rank in my definitely in my top five for like best tag team wrestlers. He would rank ever. He'd rank top three for best offensive wrestlers of all time. Because mm. the thing I with I, the thing with ahead. Bobby at like his peak is like he doesn't do it every match, but like he'll just bust something totally just crazy. Mm-hmm. out of his arsenal just because he's like hey like i'm just gonna try this on live tv and see if it works um i'm gonna agree with matt about him being an all-time top tag wrestler because everybody who tagged with bobby Eaton was enhanced by tagging with bobby Eaton. bobby Eaton didn't it wasn't that bobby Eaton carried a tag team it's that bobby Eaton and anybody else was more than the sum of its parts and um i gotta agree with you so would we Uh, put so would we put like so he'd be up there with like arn anderson and ricky morton probably is probably the best yeah Mm -hmm. i think i think arn is probably the best because he had such a varied array of tag partners that he made it work with and morton only really had gibson but i think the more you watch the Rock and Roll Express, the more you realize Gibson's kind of just luggage. Gibson's the guy that takes the tag, and you need that guy. But, I don't know. But, anyway, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. God rest you, Bobby Eaton. We miss you. Um, we'd love to hear from you on social media. And this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>